If your job is on life support, you need the job doctor. My brain is a walking database of thousands of case studies on how careers rise and fall. I'll help you diagnose what's really going on. It's the guidance you need to get back on track from someone who's been there. You can make the money you always wanted to make, doing the type of work you have always wanted to do. You may just need a little help from the job doctor. Hello, everybody. This is the job doctor. The doctor is in. Looks like we have Farah on the line. Farah, hello, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Tessa. Good to be here. Tell me just a little bit about yourself, Farah, before we dive right into your you know, most personal questions. Oh, well, I'm excited. So uh, lovely to, to finally get to, to connect with you. Um, yeah, I've been working for a while. I'm actually a senior manager within recruitment and I'm a new manager, actually. So I have mm. folks that are reporting to me. I'm going to have some new folks reporting to me as well. And one of the big questions that I get from my direct reports is, how do I get my next promotion? And um, mm. unfortunately, right now, we don't have a very formalized path to promotion. Mm. And so given your experience and background, would love to get your thoughts and expertise on uh, how to do that. Well, companies don't always have a big career path defined or, you know, you do X and then Y will happen. And so when employees come to a manager, I think they expect them to have all the answers. And the truth is they don't. All they know is job number one is they've got to get results within the budget they have. So here's my recommendation to you. I think that if a career path does not exist for a company, I think you can look at your company and understand the culture, what's rewarded at the company, and you can find opportunities that will help lead a person towards better paying jobs or opportunities. What you do know is what jobs is the company hiring the most? versus which ones are shrinking. You know that most people at some point are going to become a manager if they stay in corporate anytime. So there's a certain set of skill sets that they're going to need. And I think you can provide things. For example, you could put together a career path to say, let's expose you to how decisions get made in the company. I want you to sit in on an executive meeting. Uh, I want you to help me present at one of our department meetings or an executive meeting. I want you to run a cross-functional program. Uh, I want you to help help deliver a difficult message or, or learn how to speak and get through conflict, which is also something that managers and leaders need to do. I think those are things that any manager could put in place that would help a person grow their career. They could also create a collaboration with another manager where the hiring is taking place to say, could, I, could this person come for 10% of their time? and help you with a particular project? Is there a department that we're crossing over and doing a project on that we could create a team that could work on? So you're just creating these opportunities for people if they don't naturally exist. But I would also tell the individual something, and this is what I coach people on all the time. Your manager does not know more times than not what the exact path is for your career because most companies, unless they're big, don't have that identified. That means... Mm -hmm. They're not going to wake up every day figuring out what they need to do for you. Nobody cares more about it than you do. So your best way to get this over the finish line is to come to your manager and say, here's some of the skill sets I would like to develop. Here's a few ideas on how I could develop them. Would you help me develop this skill set? Or would you be supportive of doing these things? And what other ideas do you have? Because I really do think that when people bring things to their manager, 
a manager, if they can say, yes, I can do that for you. Managers want to help their people succeed, but they don't always have all the answers sitting in front of them. They're usually so busy that they, it's just not an easy lift. But if you say, here's some things I have in mind, a manager can really make traction uh, happen for you if you have somewhat of an idea where you want to go. And I'm curious what you think about that as a manager. No, that resonates because um, there's only so much visibility that I have because I I believe that, and I think you actually had a video about this recently where, um, you know, the most successful managers find a good balance between, you know, not being a micromanager and also giving somebody complete autonomy, right? Mm -hmm. You need to be involved at certain points of the process. So for me, it's always just kind of working behind the scenes, just making sure I have an an ear on what's going on with all of my direct reports but it's not my place to step in and do their jobs for them. And if I do that, I'm not enabling their success and their growth if I do that. Yeah, I think that's very true. And if there's one thing I want people to understand uh, is if you're going to wait around for somebody else to figure it out, you're going to be waiting a long time. If you want to accelerate your growth, know that you have to give your manager an argument that passes for their manager. Think about that for a minute. If you want to get a pay raise and they have to go outside the budget, you have to give an argument that is going to pass muster with their manager. And I think that helps, has helped me at least in my career, come up with better solutions to provide my leader when I make an ask. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And I always say to people, you know, employee salaries are the largest expense that any company has. And that's why, you know, you have to be able to justify why should they pay you more? Why should they give you that title and more responsibilities? If you're not able to, to, to provide that, then, then why should they? I'm curious. Are your people asking for a lot of raises right now? Are you getting just inundated? No. And I think part of that is because of the current market climate, because, um, you know, tech was so hot and now it's not right. And I, and you know, it is because these, you know, big tech tends to to pay very, very well. Right. And I think right now people are hunkering down and going, hmm, okay, well, if I can't get a job outside, let me see how I can maximize my uh, career where I currently am. And that's fair. Um, and yeah, I would actually like to talk to you about what your thoughts are, Tessa, on the current marketplace and what people should do uh, in a recessionary climate, because we are heading towards mm-hmm. that. We are overdue for a correction. I think we've been well years overdue yes. for an actual correction. And we're seeing that, especially in tech and in the marketplace, and it's starting to bleed into like consumer goods like Target yeah. and Mark, Walmart. Um, I've heard um, that they're not going to pass those costs along to consumers just yet, but they might. Mm-hmm. So like, what should people do in your opinion when it comes to a recessionary period when it comes to their careers? Well, first off, I'll tell you what I'm seeing, and it it scares me a little, to be honest. Almost every CEO I'm talking to or working with is either getting talent overseas quietly because they know that's not a popular idea, because they can get cheaper talent and they think they work harder. And I'm seeing CEOs say, uh, we are going to have a riff. We're planning a riff right now or a layoff. And we have to get back in our cost envelope. We could only use the pandemic so long. And now there's no excuses left. And we have to get back in balance. With people retiring that make more money, that's allowing some room. But what I'm seeing them do is hire back more junior people to fill roles that used to be more senior. So that's one of the trends that I'm seeing. And I am seeing tech have a real slowdown as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, one of my good friends, she was working at her company. It was a nonprofit for 18 years and they laid her off for that exact reason. And yeah. she is, she feels so completely lost. And I'm, I'm like doing my best to give her advice as a recruiter. But uh, speaking of that, I did want to ask another question regarding people like her, because she is a good friend of mine. Um, because I've seen other career coaches out there on social platforms and mm-hmm. social networks. And there's a lot of charlatans out there. There are a lot of people yes, giving really bad advice. And it's the typical scam, right? It's the, um, you know, if you if you give people just enough about a subject that they don't know much about, mm-hmm. then they'll pay you a lot of money. And it's scary. And, and, you know, people come to me and they ask, oh, should I get advice from this person? I'm like, no, please, like, don't do those things. Um, so what can people do to protect themselves from folks who yeah. claim one thing, but they don't have the experience to really deliver on what they're claiming? It's a great question. And you're right. There is no um, barrier to becoming a coach. You could put up a shingle tomorrow and say, I'm a career coach. And, you know, who who knows whether you know what you know or not. I I tell people a good career coach is not all things to all people. I mean, I don't build resumes. I don't build resumes for a reason. I'm not good at it. What I am good at is telling you, I can assess a resume line by line and tell you what's broken in it and what would make it more powerful, but I'm not going to write it for you because I'm no good at it. Uh, I would also look for experience. There are so many career coaches that think because they've worked in recruiting for three or four years, they're an expert, and they're not. Um, They're not an expert on how the backroom conversations happen between CEOs or executives and the people that, who, whose jobs are on the line. And so I think you need somebody who has been around the block and particularly very helpful if it's in your industry, because every industry is a little bit different. Uh, for instance, a nursing and teaching is so different. How you get ahead is a whole different set of criteria and guidelines and conversations and scripts than I would give to somebody in the corporate world. So those are a couple of things that I think I would look at. The third would be, uh, what is their guarantee around satisfaction? You know, for me personally, I have a money back guarantee, no questions asked. You don't like what I did, you get your money back. I won't argue one iota. And a good career coach is not going to take your money if you're not happy. So those are just a couple of things that I have seen. Um, I am a believer in career coaches. I don't think it's been around for a long time, but just like athletes need coaches, I think that people need help with, I mean, it's one thing for you to take in what you're learning at a company and try and make your best guess on what to do next. But if you can get somebody who's been around the block enough, you might be able to shortcut years off of a career and accelerate much quicker with the expertise of someone who's been there. So I am a believer in coaches. You just have to be pretty careful, I think. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. I mean, I've had I've seen great coaches. I've seen some not so great coaches. Um, One of my friends, uh, he's now an executive at IBM. But before that, he reached out to me and said, hey, I know this this coach. And and I know that you're connected with her. She wants to charge me $800 to write my resume. And I I, I go, wait, what? And so I I spoke with him and he said, you know, she wants to meet with me a few times and then, you know, rewrite my Mm -hmm. resume. And I said, well, here's my old resume. Why don't you go ahead and take a look at it? (laughs) Why don't you just build it off of this? And then he did. And unbeknownst to me, I didn't follow up with him. And then he got a job at IBM and I'm very happy for him. Um, And not that I'm saying my, my resume is perfect, but I, I said, look, there's just certain building blocks that you need. You don't, you don't need to spend that kind of money for, 
your resume. If you want to, great. If you don't want to, you don't really have to. And um, I just, I see it happen so often and yeah. there's just so many great free resources out there. Mm-hmm. So, well, it's funny because it's like great clips. You know, my husband started to go to great clips and I, and he'd come home and he goes, but the haircut is only $10. And I said, and it's only worth five. So <laughs> you can, you know, you can pay 25 bucks for a resume rewrite and it can be horrible and you could pay 800. And if it's the right person, who has expertise in your area, say an executive resume writer that really knows their stuff, that 800 could be the best money you've ever spent. So you have to do your homework. I'd, I'd ask to see samples for sure before I engage with anybody. Yeah, that's really good advice. It's funny you mentioned the haircut because my mother used to cut hair and she would have people who would say, like her friends would come over and, and just get free haircuts. And she was like, how much did you pay for that haircut? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I hope Great Clips doesn't come after me now, but no, I'm sure they, I'm sure there are some lovely, talented people. I'm sure there, there are. Um, you know, I want to go back to a question that I don't feel like I fully answered for you, which is about a, a potential recession and how you recession-proof a career. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm interested in, in your perspective as well, because you have been around the block for a long time. Um, one of the things, you know, I, I really think people should be working their own ecosystem in their own companies as best they can. You know, managers plan their budgets a year in advance, typically. And even though those budgets change here and there, they know more than a month in advance what they need. And when you plant seeds early for jobs you might be interested in and understand what the skill sets are they need, it's really effective to be able to get the skills and then say, hey, manager, just want you to know I'm still interested. I I have this skill set now. So when you're ready, because what you want is when the job opens, you want them to think of you. When the job opens, it's almost too late. So you should be planting seeds within your ecosystem and you should be making yourself indispensable in that same ecosystem. So not just doing your job, but you should be asking for cross-functional projects, asking if you can help solve other problems, crossing over into other worlds, because that gives you leverage. Leverage gives you strength in a layoff, a potential layoff. So that would be probably my first advice for people. And, um, the second piece to that is you should always be networking and you should always be getting transferable skills. I think mm-hmm. that um, you're never done learning. I'm not done learning, certainly. And there's like the language of business is numbers. And everybody from customer service to the top executive ought to be able to speak that language. And so yeah. if you take some classes on, um, you know, creating reports or being a financial analyst of some sort or business analyst, how to present data. Um, that will help you whether you stay in this job or you go to another job. It's a transferable skill that translates directly into money because when you can talk about your results in terms of the data points and how you move the needle, that's really, really powerful. So that would be another recommendation that I have. Curious your thoughts on it. Uh, I think it's great. I mean, I will say I've had I've I've had three careers in total. And so in my last career, I worked in finance and I actually started in 2007 right before the great you know oh, recession wow. and what i tell people is i love this warren buffett quote be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy mm, very powerful and, and even though the markets took a huge nosedive especially in finance my career accelerated because right. so many people needed the help of financial professionals i got seven promotions in 7 years at the same company. And it was incredible for my career. And it seems counterintuitive 
And most people would run away from some a situation like that or an industry like that. Mm-hmm. Instead, I just head first into it. And I think that, you know, where there is fear, there is opportunity. So, you know, in the current climate and what could happen in the future, it's, it's you know, don't panic. I think that's yes. the yes. best advice that I can give is don't panic. Find other opportunities and, and look at your skill set and see where you have other transferable skills. Mm-hmm. And it might actually be a good time to pivot your career. And why not look into other opportunities out there as well? It might, it might, it might be a good time for a career change. Absolutely. In fact, I tell people when there's a merger and acquisition or right after a riff is your greatest opportunity inside of a company to show what you're made of and be able to fill all of the holes that end up being there because none of the execution on those things are perfect and they leave gaps everywhere. And the way that you get the biggest promotions in companies is you fill gaps, not just fulfill your job description. So there's opportunity lying all over. And in fact, my biggest promotion of my whole career was I noticed I was working for Stephen R. Covey which was very cool experience, by the way. That was one of my first jobs. And I noticed that I just stumbled into the fact that they weren't doing affirmative action. And back then it was like, well, what is that? And I realized we needed to be doing it. So I asked if I could take it on. And no sooner had I finished what was, it was a really hard project and I don't ever, didn't want to do it again. It was very hard. But as soon as I had the plan in place, we got a letter saying we were being audited. No lie. And, and so I was able to get the company through this audit and I became the hero overnight because I had the plan. I could speak when the auditor came by and we had zero fines. And, and then I became the go-to person. Tess is the one that can do hard things and fill gaps. And that's, that's what you should be looking for in a company. There's always opportunity, even in the worst times. So I would agree with you. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And yeah, and I think Something else I want to mention, because, uh, you know, right now uh, I'm looking at training my um, employees and then other people in the company regarding layoffs and and how do you react and how do you speak to people with empathy, like who mm-hmm. have had been impacted and had those experiences. And I mean, I've, I've been laid off three times in my career. So oh. at this point, I'm like, well versed in this. Yeah. But I think the big messaging there is that you can't blame yourself. And sometimes it's actually a compliment to be laid off because you're a very well-employed, you're a very well-paid employee. So Mm -hmm. it's nothing to do with your skill set. It's oftentimes it's a business decision and to try not to take it personally. So if that happens, it's, it's, it's not a reflection on you. Uh, Well, I've had a lot of people ask, you know, well, is, you know, going into the office more or less going to affect whether I get laid off or not? And it's kind of a tricky answer because when you do layoffs, I'm not sure if people realize this, but you have to have criteria by which you make decisions for layoffs. So all like roles, like you're looking at how many need to be laid off. You have to have like, is it the top performers that get to stay? Is it the ones that have been here the longest? I mean, you have to have a criteria. And so it really isn't a personal affront if you get laid off. It's a, it's a numbers thing and a criteria thing. And I will tell you, I've, I've probably laid off, I don't know, at least 10,000 people in my day. And I would say that just about everybody that's been laid off ends up in a better place if you fast forward two years. Because it's interesting, there's red, I call it red zone, green zone. Red zone is when things seem to be going very, very badly for you, such as a layoff. But science has proven that when we're in the red zone, it's actually what creates the impetus to get in the green zone. And we think, oh, it's just waiting it out. It's just waiting out the hard time, but it's not. 
It is when you hit the red zone, when you go, crap, I don't have a job. And you have to think through your skill set or crap, there's a pandemic. How am I going to reach clients? That's how I was born. I was born out of the pandemic and oh crap moment. But it really is when you're in the red zone, that's creating all the conditions to have a green zone. And if people can remember that, they'll be grateful, a little more grateful because it's going to help them arrive at different solutions, conclusions, jobs. It's going to help them see the world differently. Totally. Yeah. No, that's, that's how I I found you. So that's very, very true. I'm glad that you're here. (laughs) Well, I've, I'm so glad that you joined us today on the call. It feels like we got to go a lot of different directions about a lot of really relevant topics that are going on today for people. So I appreciate you bringing up the questions of how you navigate, you know, how do you recession proof your job and how as a manager, my gosh, how as a manager without a ton of training, how do you begin to create the right conversations so you can keep people engaged and growing in a company? I think that's really relevant. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for answering my questions. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody for joining today and we will catch you again next week. If you like my podcast, you will absolutely love my book. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success, Navigating Pay, Promotions, and Power at Work. I wrote it because I could see that people didn't understand why some people got ahead and some people's career stayed stagnant. So if you're interested in building a more frictionless career path for yourself and having a better experience with work, this is a book that you need to have. It's called The Unspoken Truths for Career Success. You can buy it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or go to my website at thejobdoctor.com.